Welcome to Beacon Baptist Church of Lexington, South Carolina. We trust today's podcast will be a blessing to you. service and to try to just for a moment bask in how good he is and how undeserving we are but how good he is anyway to say to the Lord I'm amazed at what you've done I'm amazed at how you've taken care of my life I'll be honest with you, I know there's times where we'll look at situations and we wonder whether he's taken care of it, whether he's forgotten, whether he just somehow mistook you and went on over when he's passing out blessings, that he skipped over you this day. I assure you that he hasn't. He knows best. I've said this before. I got this from Brother Dean. I heard him say, and it stuck with me many years many years ago. He said, "There's times when God is good to us, and then there's times He's God to us." And I think there's a great reality in that. You know, those times where you feel like He may have overlooked you, and may maybe just you. you you expect that this is the way your life should go, but that's not the way your life is going. And you are like Job and you're sitting in the ashes. You're in an ash heap of all of the goodness of God and the blessings of God in your life. And it seems like everything that God used to have given you and all the blessings you used to have is nothing left but dust and rubble. It could be in that moment that God's being God in your life. I've been studying in the book of Job in recent days. Today I was trying to do a pretty in-depth study into chapter number, chapter number 8 and 9. Started in chapter 10, walking through, studying those chapters today. You know what the conversation is, and I know this is elementary. If you studied your Bible, you know this. The book of Job is nothing more than just an extended conversation between Job and a couple of so-called friends that he later calls miserable comforters. Because they came to try to be a blessing to him. That was why they set out to come and sit with Job. But then from the first time they opened their mouth, they told him, God wouldn't be doing this to you if he wasn't mad at you. God wouldn't be doing this to you if you wasn't in sin. And they said it so long, Job began to question, well, maybe I have done something wrong. If you read the heart behind some of the things that he says, it's almost like Job saying, I, I, I know 
that I, I know that I'm trying to be a mature Christian and I know I'm trying to live right and I know I'm trying to do right, but maybe I might have done something to offend the Lord. You do know that mattered to Job because he would go and sacrifice for his children just in case they had sinned against the Lord. What he thought about his children, now he's beginning to think, well, maybe, maybe I've messed up and maybe I'm not aware. There's a lot of times we get to the place where we're in that same place as Job. That we just don't understand what's going on. Well, maybe I have done something. Maybe I have hurt the Lord. Maybe I have offended the Lord in some way that, that, that I'm not sure about. There may be people in your life, you've called out to everybody you can, you've talked to your friends, you've talked to those you trust, and it seems like they don't have any answers for you. Job was absolutely wrecked. But he found out in those moments, God had been very good to Job prior to the events of chapter number one. The greatest man in, that, in all the East, wealthy. The Old Testament God blessed people with physical blessings for being walking with Him and being diligent to serve Him. He was the greatest man in His area. He was a, he was a man that was serving God and living for God and everything he had, all the blessings of God on his life, a large family and large property and large possessions, all of that was blessings of, or was, was, was outward pictures of God pouring His blessings on Job's life and he lost it all and in those moments he wondered if God was being good to him or God was mad at him or God was hating was God was hating him and wanting to cause destruction in his life and everybody that looked on would say that's exactly what's happening but listen to me you know the story of Job that wasn't what God was doing I've told you in preaching before that I believe the reason why God was doing what he was doing to Job is because in chapter 1 and chapter 2 there was a devil that was walking about as Paul, or excuse me, as Peter would tell us, he was walking about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. When he came before the Lord, he said, we asked where Satan had come from. He said, from going to and fro in the earth. Peter told us what he went into the earth to do. That is to, to, uh, to, see, uh, that is to, uh, to seek who he may devour. God turned the devil loose on Job so the devil wouldn't have someone of his choosing who couldn't handle it. I don't know why you may be going through what you're going through, but God may have allowed that storm to come in your life because you will still come to church on a Wednesday night even though you're going through a heavy trial. You'll still open a Bible even though you're going through a trial. You'll still lift a hand in praise to God Almighty even though you're going through a trial. You'll still come to an altar and beg God for help and not to do your best not to lose, not to lose your faith in God during the midst of the most uh, of the most troublesome, darkest days of your life. And there's a God in heaven that knows you better than you know you and knows your walk with God better than you know your walk with God. And it very well could be that somebody that 
you know, somebody that you love, or maybe somebody you won't know until you get to heaven. If they went through your trial, it would have blown them out of church. They'd have thrown their Bible away, and it may have affected ten generations in their family of people who knew the Lord but walked away. But if he turned the devil loose on your life, you'd still come to the house of God. You'd still pray. You'd still read your Bible. And it very well could be that you are a lightning rod, if you will, for somebody else in this world. Maybe it's not that. Maybe it's the fact that God has a lesson for you to learn in the valley that you'd never learn on the mountain. Maybe God needs you to learn some things about yourself and your own walk with God. Maybe there's some of you whose faith isn't quite where it needs to be and the Lord has to put a little bit of fire to your, fire to your faith and test to your faith for you to see where you really are with Him instead of making excuses and thinking that you're better off than you are in your relationship with God. Maybe He needed to turn some things on so you would understand how frail you are and how you needed to get back to an altar and you needed to get back to prayer. And you needed to get back to the Word of God and church needed to mean more to you than just a Sunday morning and Wednesday night social gathering or another ch another check off of a check list. God may be doing that in your life to make Make you a better Christian. We don't know why God does the things that He does. We all want to say all we want out of God is His blessings. So many Christians have learned down through the years. It's been stated in the Word of God. How shall we receive? And I'm paraphrasing good things from God and never expect to have the suffering. is it that we think that everybody else should have trials and we don't? Why is it that we think that God only deserves us good things? If you're saved by the grace of God, if you're genuinely saved, God's given us the promise of heaven one of these days. And in that land that's fairer than day, there'll be nothing but good days. Nothing but great moments. No sin, no sorrow, no, there will be a day where there will be in that eternal world no tears that will dim our eyes. Revelation 21 says that he's going to wipe away all the tears from our eyes and we'll never cry again. One of the most encouraging passages in all the Word of God to me is where in Revelation 21 God said, and they're talking about all of those things that He named, uh, crying and tears and all of the, the suffering, and all of those things that goes down the list and mentions, and He says that those are going to be a former thing, a distant memory. God has given us what we want in heaven. You'll have it in heaven. You'll have blessings in heaven. You'll have all good days and shiny, shiny days in heaven. Spending time with the Lord. You'll have that all. You'll have it all, friend, when you get there. But we're not there yet. There will be some times in this world where the greatest thing that God could ever send in our life are days when he's not, not necessarily being good to us when he's being God does. Some of the days I'm most thankful for, Brother James, in my life were the days that I did not know what God was doing until after it was said and done. I've told, I've told y'all before, I don't know 
I don't understand why none of my children will ever get to meet my parents. I don't understand. As an eight-year-old boy, I gave my life to serve God and to preach His Word. And my dad never saw me graduate high school. He never saw me stand and, and preach any of those revival meetings that I got to preach at an early age. My mom my, was my biggest fan, if I could put it that way lightly, in the ministry. Why she missed, by two years, she missed me pastor in my first church. The same mom and dad that remembered Brother Mark when God called me to preach. And they wasn't taking me to church. But I'd go in my bedroom, and y'all don't make fun of me. But I'd take every action figure and stuffed animal and every anything that looked like a critter or a creature and make a congregation out of them. I'd grab my mom hated this, but she bought it for me, so it was her fault. I had an old karaoke machine, had a big long cord on it. I was plugged in for the first third of my ministry. That's why I walk around preaching so much now. I had got so used to being plugged in. The same mom and dad that would every Sunday night and every Wednesday night when they weren't going anywhere they would hear me in back in the back of the house in my bedroom while they're cussing and fighting in the other side of the house I was in my bedroom preaching recording it on a little cassette tape in the early part of my I didn't know what a gospel track was until I was almost an adult about 18 years old is the first time I ever saw a gospel track. I didn't know what it was. But Brother Kevin, the early part of my ministry, I preached and recorded in my bedroom. And all, in those early days, I bet you there was all kinds of foul language on the tape when I passed them out in the background. But if they could get past all that, they would have heard a little voice. I've still got some of them. Eight-year-old me, nine-year-old me, ten-year-old me, preaching the gospel. The early part of my ministry, I'd go everywhere. I didn't say, God's called me to preach. Would you take one of these? And I pray, anyone that would take it, I'd give it to. My mom watched me have church services in my bedroom. I had an order of service. I had an old Broadman hymnal. I didn't even know how to use it good yet, but I did the best I could. I had some, just a couple of gospel CDs that somebody had given me that I would play and record it being sung. That was our special singing. I had bulletins every week with made-up revivals of preachers that you've heard in this church that I've got to have in all these years later that I never would have dreamed, Brother Mark, I'd even have their telephone number. <laughs> My mom watched those preparatory days, the days where I dreamed about having me and in like Brother Robbie Burton. Having me and in like Brother Mark Stroud. 
Brother Tommy Turner and others that have been that have preached here. Brother Joe Arthur. She got to see the preparatory stages, but never the reality. Why is that? Why do my boys have to, in their mind, they don't understand that I had that I ever had a family? My, boy, my boys don't know my brother, don't hardly know my sister much. Never been around much. Never knew my parents. Why is that? You can ask that question all day long, and there's never going to be an answer other than there was a reason. You know what God has done, though? Dad passed when I was 16. I'm 29 now. So what's that? 13 years. God's let me preach in different places all over this country. Pastor two independent Baptist churches. In the last 13 years, Brother Mark, I cannot tell you how many times God has used that story. at congregations and said, God help me stand as a 16-year-old boy, open up a Bible to John 14 and tell a congregation of people that tell a congregation of people at a funeral how they could go to heaven. How God is sufficient for whatever you're going through. How He is the one that can get you through. was the biggest mama's boy that you've ever met. I had no problem telling you that I was a mama's boy. She had no problem telling you I was her favorite. I get reminded all the time through social media about things that my mom had tagged me in nursing home ministry, you would have thought she was showing up to revival to hear a boy preach. She'd show up at a nursing home just to hear me preach. The last days of her life was the only time I had ever seen her start to become regular to church. And then God took her to heaven. All I'd ever prayed for was for my mom to be faithful in the house of God. And Brother Tommy, as soon as it started happening, God took her home suddenly. Walking through, the, walking through the kitchen to get a glass of water, dropped dead, was dead before she ever hit the floor. My dad was 53. My mom was 54 when they went to heaven. Why does God do what he does? God and he can choose to do what he wants to do if you're saved in here he's your child and if you're not you're his creature he formed you and made you and gave you the breath of life as your savior he bought you with a price and we owe him everything as your creator, he gave you life, and whatever he sends in this life, he is just to send it. Genesis said, Abraham said, will not the judge of all the earth do right? 
I don't know what you're going through tonight, but I will say this, God's right in what he does. When I was going through those trials, I never knew why God would let that happen. But now I do. So I can look at you each Sunday and say, I, have, I know what it is in the valley. And I have found out that when 2 Corinthians chapter 12 says, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. That God meant what he said when he said what he did. It's not just red words or black words on white paper. It is a reality of God. No matter what it is, His grace is sufficient. I don't know if I've ever told this part of my testimony before. I've told you about spiritually why I shouldn't be here. There are many times physically I shouldn't have been here. When I was, when I was born... 18 months into my life as an 18-year-old boy, 18-year-old, 18, 18-month-old 18 boy, 18-months into my life. Brother Mark, I had a severe seizure condition. And my brother, two years older than me, just a, just a couple of years old himself, about three years old, about Joey's age, says it was so traumatic he remembers it to this day. As he watched paramedics try to revive his baby brother. And nothing was happening. Up until I was in my early 20s, I had a massive cyst on the inside of my brain. That when I was three years old, I had to go to Atlanta to a cancer center to find out whether it was cancer. We finally got the news back that it wasn't, but they said it'll be a problem for him his entire life. Brother Mark, I don't know how to explain this, but this was my mom's testimony. I believe it's because of Jeremiah chapter number one, where God told Jeremiah, that's been my life first my entire life as a young preacher from the time God called me at eight, year, eight years old, when God told Jeremiah, before I knew, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee and ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. I was, I was three years old in a little rented room in Atlanta with my parents waiting on news for whether or not their boy was going to die of cancer or not. My mom got a phone call and the doctor said on the other end that it wasn't. My mom told my dad that it wasn't. And remember, I've told this church many times about my spiritual testimony. I was not never walked into a church for the first time until I was eight years old. We didn't have family altar. I didn't know what a Bible was. I didn't hardly know what a Bible was. I had one on a nightstand, but I didn't have anybody that would read it to me. I didn't know anything about the Word of God. Somebody had to take me to another church in a vacation Bible school class for me to hear the gospel at Mayo First Baptist Church, a church that I probably wouldn't even join up with today because I'm not a Southern Baptists like they are. I have more convictions than that now. Amen. But that little lady gave me the gospel and I got saved. I had to go outside of my own church to hear the gospel. 
I didn't hear the gospel until age eight. I didn't have anybody invest in me until 16, for the most part. 14, 15, 16. First time anybody had ever looked my way and said, I'm going to, I'm going to try to invest in this young man. But as a three-year-old boy, keep those dates in mind. Never walked into church, never heard anything about God until I was eight years old. At three years old, when my mom got the news and I overheard her tell my dad, this is her words, not mine, I don't remember. Said it's not cancer. My mom said that I looked up and said, thank God, mommy. I never heard his name. How does that happen? Before I formed thee in the belly. God, Brother Dana puts it like this, Brother Dana Williams. He said, God was saving me before he saved me. So he could save me. God was saving my life then. So I could get saved at eight. And be what he always wanted me to be. Many times I should have died time and time again. But God's taken good care of me. Seizures over and over in my young life that could have taken me out. But God saw fit to leave us here. Why does God do, do what he does? I don't know. Other than the fact that he's God and he can. I don't know what you're going through tonight, but I just want to encourage you. He's God. And he can do what he sees fit. But while he does those things that we may not understand, and he's being God to us, and it doesn't feel like he's being very good to us, his grace is sufficient. His grace, you know what that word sufficient means? It means his grace is enough. Whatever, whatever pain you're going through, it's enough. Whatever heartache you're dealing with, His grace is enough. He will ease the pain. He will give you the strength to go on. You say, I don't know if I can wake up tomorrow. Well, His grace will get you up in the morning. It's enough. It's enough. If you need to mind the Lord, you come on tonight. I don't know what we need to sing. Honey, if you've got something on your heart, you sing. Brother Mark, if you've got something you want to share, you come. You can exhort. You can do whatever the Lord may lead you to do. If you need to come, you come on tonight. Let's make sure to give him glory. Let's make sure to, let's make sure to let him have his will and his way in our lives. The one thing that God's been telling me all throughout this week is that we need to surrender our all to him. Surrender every bit of it. I'll never, I, I don't know if I'll ever get over the message last night. I love my master, my wife, and my children, and I will not go free. That's complete surrender. That's giving it all. God, you are enough, and I'm going to give you everything. It's just our home folk here tonight, a couple of visitors. Y'all been with us all week, might as well be home folks. Amen. Y'all spend, spend six or seven hours with us in a series of meetings. You're, you're home. Amen. If you're saved here tonight, you're in your father's house. 
He's never been closer to you than he is right now. He can meet your need right there where you are. He can come through and whatever you need him to come through. There may have never been a time in your life where you just said, God, I 100% am all yours. If you never have, I encourage you to do it tonight. Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com.